If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 8? Luke chapter 8. We're going to look at those verses that Mark read for us this morning. Luke chapter 8, verses uh, 22 through uh, 25. Chiroptophobia. Chiroptophobia. That's what I've got. Chiroptophobia. You know what that is? Fear of bats. Fear of bats. I'm not a bat fan. I like Batman, but I'm not a bat fan. Fear of bats. We were in our uh, home in Somerset. Uh, we lived there uh, uh, 20 plus years ago. And one night you felt this fluttering across the, the room, laying in bed. What is that? We get up, it's still the fluttering and trying to figure out what's going on and narrowed it down to a spare bedroom and looked behind a curtain and there it was, a bat, a flying rat. And so, you know, as the, as the strong husband I was, I said, Amy, get on it. No, I went down to the, went down to the basement and I'm like, I'm going to take care of this, right? Right? So I got goggles. Got the goggles, got big work gloves, and a tennis racket. We're going after this thing, right? Got a box, figured it out. I'm not a fan of bats. I would say I'm afraid of bats, but I don't know that it's like a phobia, right? Like, I don't know that it's quite that bad. But I'm not a fan of bats. They tend to, tend to make, you know, a little scary, little little frightened at times. Um, what do you fear? What's your fear? Maybe it's not as, as silly as a bat flying around a house or spiders crawling across the, the, the driveway or something like that, but, but what do you fear? In a moment of honesty this morning, not, you, know, you don't need to say it out loud, obviously, but, but in your own mind, in your own heart, We've been singing about it this morning already, if you haven't noticed. King of my heart, you know, in that song, it talked about the fears and it talked about how God overcomes. Holy forever, holy, holy, holy. And talking about this separation, this distance, this, this difference between God and us. What do you fear? What are the things that, that strike you and, and cause you uh, to become anxious or cause you to become nervous or cause you to become... Uh, um, uh, irritable? What is a fear that you have? What's, what, is, what is one that, is, that, that kind of uh, challenges you from time to time? Maybe it's not, maybe it's not chronic, maybe it's not a phobia, uh, but we all have fears, right? We all have fears. It's, something, it's nothing that we can't admit. We all have fears. Bats, spiders, heights. Failure public speaking? You have the fear of public speaking? Some of us are afraid to get sick. Some of us are afraid of the sickness we have. Some of us are afraid that, that we're going to go bankrupt. We're worried about our business. We're worried about our employees. We're worried about our job. We're, we're afraid we're going to lose our job. We're afraid that the, the contract's not going to get signed or settled. We're afraid that 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 uh, the political party of our choice, our choice isn't going to be in power or influence and, and we spin fear out of that. 
our mind begins to wander, our mind begins to run. In fact, we have, we have today in our culture, social media uh, people, we have uh, 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 media personalities that do a really good job at gaslighting our fear, don't they? We turn on, the, we turn on news, and, and now I'm going, let me jump off the political side, just in everyday life, just in everyday life. We have, we have media, whatever your media consumption is, I bet it's filled with fear. I bet there's a lot of fear language in it. And here's the thing, like we don't, we, we're so used to it, we don't even necessarily hear it anymore as fear language. But you turn it off or you walk away from that exposure and you're a little more anxious, you're a little more frustrated, you're a little more agitated, you're a little more on edge. We live in a culture that, that celebrates fear. We live in a culture in a day and age where if I can get you to be afraid of something, then I'm going to get you on my side because, hey, I'll take care of you. Just, just follow me. Just follow me. Just follow our platform. Just follow our agenda. Just follow what we're talking about. Just follow us. And, and you don't have to worry about all the fear I'm speaking into you. See how we get gaslit by that. And it's happening in churches too. It's happening in churches around the country where we're trading the, the foundation of the gospel message for, for, for words and, and messages and sermons that are filled with fear. That we want to scare people into behaving appropriately or scare people into uh, how to behave towards their neighbors or, their, or our culture. We trade good theology for fear-based language so that we can get people on our side. What's your fear? What do you wake up with every day thinking, thinking, oh, I got to deal with that. I got to manage that. What are we afraid of? In our world today, it's just so easy to strike fear into people. And these fears that, that we have are both, they can be rational and irrational. Some fear is, is absolutely spot on. We should be afraid. We should be afraid if we're, if we're caught in the middle of a storm and, and we're unprepared. Fear is, fear, is, fear is okay at times. Fear is good. It alerts us to something that's going on. And it tells our body that we need to be, we need to either fight or flight, right? We need to either figure this out or we need to get out of the situation. So fear in and of itself is not necessarily bad, but what do we do with the fear? And what does the fear do to us? Fear, when it's unchecked, fear, when it's, when it's, uh, uh, not examined, has the ability to cripple us. It affects how we live. It affects how we, how we interact with other people. Fear, when we don't uh, put it in its proper framework, when we don't try to understand what's going on, fear that is unchecked can paralyze us. How many of us have lost hopes and dreams because of fear? How many of us have stopped going down a road in life because of fear? Maybe, maybe it's the fear, like I said before, the fear of public speaking, right? Something as, 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 as uh, rational as that, but carried out could be very irrational in our lives. I'm, I'm afraid to get up in front of people. I know you sense it with me, my fear of public speaking. 
But think about it, it's a very real fear, fear for people. And some people, it, it, I teach a class at Gannon in public speaking. It's my last semester I'm going to be teaching it. Um, and I tell my students all the time, being able to be a good public speaker is the separator in your job. You want to separate yourself from your coworker? You want to get the advancement? You want to get the raise? You want to get the bump? You want to get some, be a good public speaker. Public speaking, sorry, I'm going to about to dive into my class here. But what I'm saying is it's a fear because if we think that, oh, I, I can't, I'm not a good public speaker. I don't want to go into that. Therefore, I'm going to pull back. I'm going to hold back. It's going to be something in our work experience that's going to hold us back. I'm afraid of crowds. I'm afraid of being with people. I'm afraid of new technology. I'm afraid of learning. I'm afraid of making a mistake. And so it keeps us back. It holds us back. What are we afraid of? What, when fear has gone unchecked in our lives, when it goes unchecked in our lives, it can cripple us. How about the relationships we've wanted to mend? How about the marriages we've wanted to fix? And we're just afraid to have those conversations. We're afraid to have the tough encounter. We're afraid of, we're afraid of conflict And so we don't engage and we just let it play out. And then we find ourselves on different ends of of life and we're like, how come this happened? Well, fear playing into our lives begins to shrink our confidence and our courage. What do we do with fear? It's all around us. It speaks into us culturally. It's natural in our lives. But if we don't do something with it, it just grows louder and louder and louder. The fear at times is deafening. But in Joel chapter 3, verse 16, God reminds us that the Lord roars from Zion. It's the theme of of our series this month, Holy Roar. We picked it up from this passage in Joel, trying to understand how God confronts and and comes against the challenges that we see in our life, that as our world and as our culture screams things at us, different things, different, different thoughts, this week as we think about the fear that our world screams at us, we are reminded by Joel that there is in the midst of these, the, the loudness of our culture, there is a holy roar that's coming from God. In Joel 3.16, the Lord, the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth quake. But the Lord is a, what's the word? Refuge to his people. Next, next phrase, a what? a stronghold to the people of Israel. Think about that in terms of fear. All the fears we just talked about, all the, the way our world is set up, the way we live day in and day out, the fear that holds us back. And yet here's Joel telling us something about God. Hey, God's a refuge. God's a stronghold for you. The thing that you're afraid of that you, that you mentally uh, uh, went to, or maybe you even wrote it down a moment ago. What are you afraid of? God is roaring into our lives. I'm a stronghold for that. I'm a refuge for that. 
I can take care of that fear. Luke chapter 8 shows us one such example. Luke chapter 8 verses 22 through 25 show us that, that there is a holy roar from God through Jesus and it's louder than our fear. Let me, let's, let's just look at that one more time. Luke chapter 8 verse 22, it says this, one day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let's go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and, and as they sailed, he fell asleep and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling uh, with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased. And there was calm. If you're allowed to write in your Bible, I'd circle the words ceased and calm. And they were afraid and they marveled. Saying to one another, who, who is this? that he commands even the wind and water, and they obey him. A couple things that, that, that kind of jump out at me as I read this, and um, the first one is this. Um, it says, verse 22, it says, can we go back to verse 22 if we have it? Sorry, Steve, I'm going to might jump around like that a little bit. It says, verse 22, uh, one day he got into the boat with his disciples, one day, one day. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Sometimes I read the Bible and things jump out at me a little differently than maybe some other people. Um, so I can't tell you that this is like theology, like this is good theology. I hope it's good thought. I'm not sure that it's great theology. I'm just going to share. Here, here's what I'm trying to say. I'm not sure what I'm about to say is like what Jesus was trying to say in the thing, or Luke was trying to say. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close that for a second. I'm just going to step aside and say, I find it interesting. I could be way off. I'm not sure. I find it interesting in Luke chapter 22 that Luke says one day. One day Jesus got into a boat. It was just one day. It was a day like all the other days. Nothing special, nothing, nothing big was happening, nothing monumental, it was just one day. Well, what was Jesus doing? I don't know. Well, you know, one day we got in a boat. Well, what was special about that day? Well, I don't know, it was just one day. One day. You think of all the ways that the biblical writers set up events and encounters that Jesus had with different language. And here's Luke just saying, one day, one day Jesus got into a boat. And I just sat there and I just thought, isn't it interesting that the rest of this story is predicated on one day? That just one day, a normal day, an average day, at face value, again, there was nothing special about it. It was just one day. It could be today. It could be a day like yesterday for us. It was just one day. What'd you do yesterday? We didn't do it. It was just, you know, got up, went with our kids to the peninsula. It was just Saturday. It was, what was special about it? Nothing. Just Saturday. What'd you do afterwards? I don't know. Played a game or something. I don't know. Wife wanted to play a game. Played a game. It was just one day. I look at that and I just wonder... I just wonder, you know, is, is, let's not forget that God moves in the normal, average rhythms of our life. 
That we don't have to wake up and try to create a day for God to do something. God just moves in our normal, everyday, humdrum living. And sometimes I think we, we, we think that we have to prompt God to move in our lives, right? You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes we have to, well, I better say my prayers the right way. I better read my scriptures the right way. If I don't check it off the list the right way, then maybe God's not going to move in my life today. And I think Luke writes this. I don't know. Again, I don't know that it's theologically. I just look at it and I'm like, it comforts me to know God moves in our every day. In your every day. I don't know about you, my life's pretty boring. I had, I think, three people this morning said to me, how was your week? And I'm like, huh, I, I don't know. Bob, my week was fine. I, I don't know. It was fine. Normal. Humdrum. And I think we forget that God can even move in the normal. Let's have eyes that look for God every day. Not just special days, not just the days where we have a doctor's appointment or a surgery scheduled, not just, those are important. I mean, we should, we should ask people for prayer, but let's live each day thinking, you know what? Today's a day that God could do something. Why? Well, what's on your calendar? What's going on? Nothing. I'm just waking up, stepping out and seeing what God has for me. Because one day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's get in the boat and let's go over to the other side. Now, we might want to get a little nervous when we sense God telling us to do something specific. It was one day. But Jesus said on one day, hey, let's get in a boat. I don't know. I've read the New Testament enough to know something's coming. We have the advantage. We read the story. We know something's coming, right? The disciples didn't know. They're just following. Isn't there a beauty in that as well? They're just following. Okay, let's see what happens today. One day they got into the boat and Jesus said, let's go across to the other side of the lake. Let's go across to the other side of the lake. Now you and I, again, again, We've read the story. We know what happens, right? They didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, one biblical commentator said this. He said, Jesus did not say, let's go down to the sea and be drowned. He said, let's go over to the other side. And as we read through this story, how, how many of us put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples? and afraid of the storm that came up. And we look at Jesus and we're like, what are you doing to me? How many of us look at our fears and we look to God and we say, what are you doing? Well, I think sometimes God's just trying to get us to the other side. He's not trying to drown us. That wasn't his goal. That wasn't his intention. It was just something that happened along the way. The storm came up along the way. Because the goal was very specific. We're going to go to the other side of the lake. I've got something to do over there. I want you to join me. 
I want you to join me in what I'm doing. On this normal humdrum day that you're experiencing, I'm inviting you to join me in something that I'm going to do. Will you step in and join me? Because I'm not here to drown you. I'm here to show you something. And so they get into the boat, and as they sailed, he, he fell asleep. Again, in the context of the story, we get it. A little bit of a journey across the lake, probably had a hard day. Maybe something's coming up. Not uncommon to fall asleep. But as we've read the story through, I wonder to myself this, do we ever, in, in our moment of fear, do we ever feel like God is sleeping on us? Because the disciples, they had to go wake them up. They're in the middle of a storm. They're in the middle of a challenge. And the God, the God that, that has come to them, that they're still trying to figure out who this guy is, he's sleeping. I think, I think this, the, the scriptures are trying to infer that they were a little miffed at that. Like God wasn't as present. Jesus wasn't as present in the moment. There is a storm. We're taking on water and he's sleeping. Have you ever felt like that with God? There's a storm in my life. We're taking on water. And every time I pray, I pray, it feels like there's no answer. And every time I pray, it feels like I can't hear him. I can't see him. I don't know what's going on. It feels like to me, God is sleeping. I think it's interesting the, the juxtaposition of the action in this passage. It says, so they set out and, and as they sailed, he fell asleep and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. So now we have all this activity, right? We're in the boat, but Jesus is asleep, yet a windstorm has come. And when, the, when Luke uses this word windstorm, it's not like, ah, the boat was rocking a little bit back and forth. The word here for windstorm is almost like hurricane winds. Strong winds beating against the boat. Coming down with such force that they were actually in danger. One writer says that, that given the topography of that area, any meteorologist will tell you and that, that that area is prone to volatile conditions. It's not uncommon. One writer says that, that the word for gust isn't, isn't a single gust, but it's a storm breaking forth from black thunderclouds in furious gusts with floods of rain throwing everything topsy-turvy. And Jesus sleeps. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is sleeping and this gust comes down and is so much wind, so much rain. The boat is filling with water. And what does Peter say? Well, it's not Peter. It doesn't say it's Peter. I'm just presuming it's Peter. Because he's the one that always kind of spouts out. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if it was Peter or not. I just... 
But look how, let me go back to 23. Look how Luke writes this. A windstorm came down and they were filling with water and were in danger. Here's the juxtaposition. Jesus is asleep. They're filling with water and in danger. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. We are perishing. Notice, what did they call him? Rabbi? Teacher? Father? What did they call him? Master. Hmm. Master. Like the master who's in charge of all things. The one who is in command. The one who is in control. The master. These professional sailors. Let's, let's not forget that. Let's give these disciples the credit that they're due. They're professional fishermen, right? M- many of them. And so they would be accustomed to what's going on on the lake. Professional sailors, professional boaters, professional. This is, trust me, this isn't me on a jet ski in the bay, okay? I see a dark cloud, I'm out, right? This is, these guys, their boat was filling with water. They knew they were in danger, or they were afraid that they were. And they looked at Jesus and they said, what was the word that they said? Interesting choice of words. We are perishing. We're dying here. God, where are you? I'm dying here in what's going on in my life. I'm dying here. You don't understand the wind. You don't, un- I know you're asleep. I, Are you awake, God? Do you even hear me when I pray anymore? Do you even see what this is doing to our family? I've been praying about this. I'm afraid I'm going to die. I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to continue. I'm afraid my marriage is over. I'm afraid our company's going bankrupt. I'm afraid our kids are are stuck on drugs. I'm afraid for what is going on in our culture. Do you not hear me when I call you? We're dying here. And he woke up. And what did he do? He rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And what happened? They ceased. And there was calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, who is this? A couple things that um, I see happening here. First of all, responding to the circumstances. Responding to the circumstances. The way in which they responded to the circumstances that they found themselves, I believe is 100% appropriate. They were afraid. They were professional fishermen, professional boaters. They knew what this meant. The boat was filling with water. They were afraid. Their response was 100% appropriate. The, 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 
the cortisol, this comes from Northwestern Medical, Northwestern Medical, the cortisol and the adrenaline was released. Their blood pressure and heart rate probably increased. They started breathing faster. The blood started flowing uh, uh, from their heart into their limbs so that they could, they could be people of action in the middle of their fear. This is all what's going on in them. Their response is 100% appropriate because this was a very real fear for them. And they needed to find an answer. And they went to the one who they hoped that they could find an answer. And they started asking him, Jesus, we're perishing here. They thought they were going to die. And Jesus said, Jesus woke up, rebuked the wind of the waves, and they ceased and there was calm. And he said, where is your faith? I think the issue for Jesus isn't, isn't their fear. Listen, I don't think the issue for Jesus isn't their fear. I think the issue was their response to their fear. Fear is a natural thing that happens in us. We can't stop being afraid. And when the scriptures say, do not fear, it doesn't mean don't have feelings of fear. It means don't live in your fear. It's a negative to the present, to the present action. It's going to happen because that's how we are created as people. If I see a bat, fear. Rational or irrational, it's fear. I need to do something with that. We're driving down a road and we see the car careen off the other side and coming down our lane. Fear. That's not sin. It's not something wrong in my life. It's a natural reaction to something that is happening around me. The question is, what do we do with it? What do we do with our fear? Props to the disciples because they went to, to Jesus. But what did they say? We're perishing. We're perishing. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like your fear was just killing you? Have you ever felt like your fear killed your dream? Your fear killed your desire. Your fear crippled you from, from meeting new people or networking in a, in a business venture. Your fear has stopped you from so much. I would imagine in a room this size that fear has stopped many of us at different times in different ways. And when fear cripples our hopes and our dreams, when fear disrupts our family, it can feel like we're perishing. But what do we do with the fear? The disciples responded. So the second thing is, the first thing is, how do we respond to the circumstance? The second thing here is, how do we respond to, to the fear? And here, Jesus begins to turn their attention away from the temporal to the eternal. Jesus begins to turn their attention away from the temporal to the eternal. I, I sometimes get frustrated with Jesus when I watch his healing miracles, when I read about them in the Bible, right? You ever read those healing miracles and somebody brings somebody to be healed to Jesus and the very first thing that Jesus says is your sin is forgiven? 
And you're like, hey, hang on. Hang on. My man can't walk. <laughs> like we're here. Like, I don't know. Maybe we, maybe we did the pre-screening wrong. I don't know. We're not here for spiritual. We're here for health and wellness. Like he can't, he's got some, we're the physical. And the first thing that Jesus said in some cases, yeah, your sins are forgiven. Not what we're here for. And Jesus is like, no, it is what you're here for. Got to get your eyes off the temporal. Got to get our eyes on the eternal. You want freedom? You want true healing? You want true recovery? It starts in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It starts in coming to him. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. Jesus is trying to get their their eyes off the temporal and onto the eternal. And he says to them, he woke up and he rebuked the wind, raging seas. They ceased and there was calm. And he said to them, look at what he said to them. Where's your faith? Not, not, where's your faith? Not because you were afraid, but where's your faith? I think because they felt like they were going to die in the moment. They were allowing their faith to overcome the situation that they, their fear, they were allowing their fear to overcome the situation that they were in. What do we do with the fear when we have it? God simply looks at us and asks us this question, where's your faith? What are you going to do in that moment? What are you going to turn to? Who are you going to turn to? The fear is real. The fear is realized. The question is, what are you now going to put your faith in as you encounter the fear? The culture, the world, society, they're going to tell you, put your faith, cope, mechanisms, different things that you can do, uh, 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 um, soothe your fear with this drug, with this alcohol. It's going to be fine. Just escape it, right? And Jesus constantly turns to us and says, where is your faith? The fear is real. What I'm asking you now is, in your fear, where is your faith? What are you going to do with it? Who are you going to turn to? What will you do? What was the response? He awoke, rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was calm. They ceased, and there was calm. And he said, where is your faith? And then the very next phrase it says, and they were afraid. And they marveled. Did you catch that? In the, they're still, listen, takes a little bit for all that adrenaline to, to, to settle down, right? The wind was still coming. The rain, well, I guess not because it calmed it, right? They were still wet from the rain. They were afraid of what the circumstance had come to, what circumstance had come to them. 
but they marveled at what he did with it. They marveled at what he did with it. And look at what it says. They asked themselves, they said to one another, Who is this? Who is this that takes all the fear that we had and turns our distress from from thinking we were going to die to calming it down and continuing on our journey? Who does this? Who is this? Who is this one that the waves and the wind Listen to him. I really think as I read this passage this week, I really believe that they marveled not at what he did, but at who he was. Who is it that does this? And I wonder if in our culture we get caught up in marveling at what was done and we miss who he is. We get caught up in the calming of the storm and the settling of the seas and the calming of our lives and the settling of our, of our, of our assets and our journey in our own life. We get caught up in the end result and Jesus is over here like, I did that. I, I can do that for you. The disciples were reminding us, great, great question, Again, kudos to the disciples. They didn't say, look at what he did. They asked, who is this that does that? Who is this? And I wonder if in our own hearts and in our own lives, if we would just spend more time wondering who this is in the middle of my fear instead of being paralyzed by the fear itself. And so this week, as we enter Thanksgiving, A lot of busy schedules out there. A lot of things to do. A lot of joy and happiness. A lot of friends and family. A lot of things to think about. Hopefully, hopefully some time to sit and reflect. I'm going to ask you to do this this week. Begin to identify the fears that we have. What am I really afraid of? Am I really afraid of public speaking or am I just afraid to be in front of people? Am I really afraid that I don't know what to say and that's driving my public speaking fear? I use that as just one silly example. What's yours? Take some time this week to truly uh, 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 zero in on the fear that you have. Think through where it comes from. What's the root cause? Remember, the, the disciples were afraid of dying. They had seen storms before. They were afraid of the result. What was going on? What was their fear? Secondly, I'll ask you this. When was the last time we turned those fears over to Christ? When was the last time that we said, in a true sense, I'm going to trust you to be the master of this? It's interesting if you go on and you read Luke, the rest of Luke after chapter uh, verse 25, the next three things that happen are healing. There's, a, there's the um, deliverance of a, a man with an evil spirit and two instances of healing. One, a woman who touched the cloak and another who asked him to come heal his daughter. 
stilling of the wind and the waves, casting out an evil spirit, healing of the physical body. What is Luke showing us about Jesus? He can handle everything. He can handle it all. From the natural to the evil to the physical. Jesus handles it all. Maybe there's been something that we've been reluctant to give. Maybe we've been doing it in a way that makes it our timeline, not his. Identify your fear, take it back to him. And then third, focus on Jesus, not the storm. It's easier said than done, and I understand that. It's easier said than done to focus on Jesus and not the storm. But what I'm saying here is maybe we need to set some boundaries in our life. Maybe when we recognize where the fear comes from, maybe it's from a group of people. Maybe it is from some social media. Maybe it is from chatter that we're listening to from people at work, and it's driving fear in our lives. Maybe it is bad advice from other people. Maybe what we need to do is remove ourselves from those situations and put more attention on Christ, more attention in prayer, more attention in worship, more attention in the scriptures. Instead, what's your input this week? It's a good question to ask how we manage the fears that we have. Because this is what I believe that when Jesus woke up and he rebuked the storm and the wind and everything was calm, he roared louder than the storm could ever. And he calmed it. Jesus is about calm and healing and refreshing. What's your fear? What do we do with it? Will you stand as we pray? Lord Jesus, this morning we ask you to take our fears in a holy and righteous way, in a way that is, that is utterly different than us and from the opinions of other people. Would you take our fear and help us to focus on you? Perhaps, perhaps we need to, to, to uh, turn something off Perhaps we need to stop listening to a particular uh, pundit. Perhaps we need to set appropriate boundaries with people in our lives because those are all sources of fear and not truth. Or they're distracting us from focusing on you. So God, whatever our fear is, I pray this, that we would turn it over to you, that we would seek you, and that we would be able to trust you as the master of it. And on any given day, rest in the fact that you are moving and acting for our best. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We ask that you go with us this week in all that we encounter. Let us be thankful for who you are in our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.